Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 30. We will pick up in verse 25. We left off last week at verse 24, and we will continue as we have for a number of months now, walking our way through the very first book of the Bible, considering what God's Word has to say to us. And so if you're new to North River Church, I want you to know that every week as we gather together, we're going to open God's Word together. We're going to walk verse by verse through the Scripture, and we want you to be engaged with us as we do that. So bring your Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some on the row around you. If you don't own a Bible, I want to encourage you to take that home with you. That's our gift to you. Uh, as we said last week, you can also follow along in the North River Church app, whether it's the scripture or the sermon notes, it's all there waiting for you. And so I would encourage you every week as we gather together to follow along with us, to dial in to God's word as we walk through it together. Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse 25, the message is entitled, The Blessing of God. One of the things that I remember from uh, growing up is we made a trip down to the Orlando area to play baseball. And I had a younger brother who's 14 years younger than me, and so I was probably 17 or so at this point, and so you can do the math. He was around three at that point, and we went, after the tournament was over, over to Orlando to SeaWorld. And we went to what I affectionately call Shamu Stadium, right? We go in, we're going to see the, uh, all the fun things that are there. And my brother wanted to sit as close as he could sit to the water. Some of you are laughing because you've been there before. And you know what happens when you're sitting close to the water. In fact, they come around and they say, now listen, this is affectionately referred to as the splash zone. That's what I like to call the front row here at North River too, right? <laughs> this is the splash zone, and just be prepared that at some point during all of the show that you are very likely to get wet. At 17, I had no desire to get wet at SeaWorld, right? And yet, sitting in that spot, it was without a doubt a guarantee that I was going to get wet because it was the splash zone. It was the overflow location where the water inside the tank was going to go. No questions asked. And I started thinking about that as I was preparing this week's message because for every single one of us, whether we want to admit it or not admit it, there is a splash zone around our life. And there are people that we interact with day in and day out that get splashed with something that comes out of our life. Now for some of us, it is truly the grace of God in our lives that overflows and the splash zone in our lives around us, God's grace is continually pouring out on other people. And then there's some of us, and maybe there's some moments where maybe it's usually that, but sometimes what splashes out is not necessarily that. 
what splashes out into other people. Maybe it's pessimism, maybe it's negative conversations, maybe it's uh, like Eeyore. Life's terrible, everything's bad. Life's going to be horrible from this point forward. Is that what splashes in from your life into other people? You see, as we look at the text this morning, what we're going to see is Jacob's life has a splash zone around it. And interestingly, what the text is going to show us is that splashing in to everyone's life around Jacob is the grace and the blessing of God. Now, we've seen Jacob's not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the last two Sundays, if you missed those, you missed the Jerry Springer sermons of the Bible. It was problematic, a lot of what was going on. But as we're going to see, God was, even in spite of Jacob's sin, blessing him and, in essence, blessing those around him. I want to read the text for us, Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse 25, going through verse 43. This is God's word. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. And Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep. And every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. And Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that had, he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. 
And since they bred in front, since they bred, when they came to the drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs, and he set the faces of the flock toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys." Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text as we walk back through these verses. It's this truth, God's blessing in our lives is rooted in our relationship with Him. The blessing of God in our lives is rooted in our relationship with Him. So let's just think about that. I want to unpack that for just a little bit. The blessing of God. What what do we mean when we say the blessing of God? Well, it is God's favor, God's kindness, God's grace, God's mercy on us. Now here's the problem in the culture in which we live. Even the Christian culture in which we live. We often attach God's blessing in our lives to our circumstances, to our possessions, our wealth, to our prosperity, to our health. As if those things are the measure of whether or not we're experiencing the blessing of God in our lives or not. And yet the reality is that is so far from the truth about what the blessing of God actually is. The blessing of God is not whether or not things are great in your life right now. Some of you came in this morning and for you life is rolling along just as you had hoped it would. It could not get any better. And if you're a follower of Jesus, don't be tempted to think, well, that's the blessing of God in my life. Because there's others in this room who are walking through difficulty right now, walking through struggle, walking through problems, and they very well may be tempted to look and say, well, I must not be experiencing the blessing of God in my life because of these circumstances that I'm walking through. When for both groups of people, if they're followers of Jesus, the blessing of God in their lives is the fact that they have a relationship with him. It is rooted in our relationship with God. 
Which let me just pause there and say, you may have come in this morning, and for you, the reality is you don't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It will be impossible for you to experience the blessing of God in your life apart from a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus. And so for you this morning, that is the step that you need to take to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior for your sins to be forgiven through his sacrifice on the cross, his blood shed so that as we sang earlier, our sins could be forgiven so that you could experience the blessing of walking in a relationship with God. We said at the outset that Jacob's life was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there is so much dysfunction going on in Jacob's life leading up until this point that it could be easy for us to look at and say, I don't know how in the world he could have experienced the blessing of God as we read just a minute ago. Well, go with me back just a couple of chapters to chapter 28, and I just want to you to look and be reminded this morning that after Jacob had left his hometown, as he was heading to this land where his uncle was, Laban, Jacob had a dream. And in that dream, he saw the reality of who God was. And in verse 20, I don't want you to lose sight of this, chapter 28 It says, Jacob made a vow saying, since God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Listen, then the Lord shall be my God. Leading into these verses that we're about to look at, do not lose sight of the truth that Jacob had a relationship with the Lord. He wasn't perfect, but he had a relationship with God. So as we look, I want you to notice that beginning in verses 25 through verse 30, you can write down this truth. God's blessing in our life is always meant to be a blessing to others. God's blessing in the life of a believer is always to overflow into others' lives around us. Notice what happens in verse 25. It says, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I could go to my own home and my own country and give to me what you've promised, my wives, my children, for whom I've served you that I may go for you know the service that I have given to you. Remember that at this point in time, he had served Laban, his uncle, for 14 years. Not to earn anything other than his youngest daughter, Rachel's hand in marriage. That's all he desired. He had served him, in essence, for free during this time. And he says... It's time for me to go home. Remember, his parents had sent him away in the aftermath of his deception of his brother, had sent him away so that he could find a wife, not from the pagan people around them, but from his own people. And so at this point in time, he says, my time has come to an end. 
it's time for me to go back home. He says, listen, I've done exactly, Laban, what you've said I needed to do, and now it's time with your blessing for me to leave here and to go home. I want you to notice verse 27, but Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned, Laban says, by divination, that was a a weird occult type practice of trying to discern information. And he says, I've discerned from this, notice, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He says, I've figured out something that God is with you, Jacob, and as a result of me being in your splash zone, I've experienced the blessing of God in my life as a result of you. And so he says, name your wages, verse 28, and I will give it. Laban says, listen, I've experienced the blessing of God because you're here. I don't want you to leave. Notice this. Here's where Laban has totally missed the point. He says, if you leave, then the blessing of God is going to leave. What he failed to realize is the blessing of God was available to him if he would have a relationship with God. But he's not there. In fact, at this point, he says, I need you to stay, and I will pay you whatever you want. Name your wages, and I will give it. And Jacob said to him in verse 29, you yourself know how I've served you and how your livestock has fared with me. Bottom line, for you had little before I came. And it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Jacob says, not, you know, I'm really a great shepherd. I mean, I'm a pretty big deal around here. You know, it's my ingenuity, it's my wisdom, it's what I've been able to figure out how to do. He doesn't say that. In fact, he says, you have been blessed as a result of the Lord. God's blessing in Jacob's life had overflowed into Laban's life so that Laban had experienced the blessing of God as a result of Jacob. Let me just ask this question of you. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, would you, if you walked into your employer tomorrow and said to them, hey, It's time for me to move on. Would they look at you and say, we have experienced the blessing of God in our lives as a result of you being an employee here. We don't want you to leave because the overflow of your walk with the Lord has so blessed us, whatever it takes, we'll pay to keep you here. Some of you are thinking, I may try that. May walk out tomorrow and give that a go. Some of you who are bosses here are thinking, I hope my church members don't come in and say that tomorrow, right? 
But listen, that's exactly what happened for Jacob in his relationship with Laban because of the blessing of God in his own life, because of his relationship with the Lord. The overflow of that ended up blessing Laban. In fact, notice verse 30. He continues and says, how am I going to provide for my own household also? says, listen, I have a family I have to take care of. That's Jacob's response here to Laban's comment of I'll pay you whatever you want. But notice that in the midst of this, one thing is crystal clear, and that is that Jacob's walk with God, his relationship with the Lord overflowed in the life of Laban who was around him. Follower of Jesus, can I just ask you that question? Is the overflow of the blessing of God in your life, your relationship with the Lord, spilling out of your life and impacting those who are around you? The hope and the prayer for all of us as followers of Jesus is that's exactly what's going on in our lives. I grew up in South Georgia, and somebody asked me this morning, they said, how in the world are you going to work in this morning the fact that Georgia won the national championship? There it was, church, right? (laughs) Grew up in South Georgia. But one of the things that we would do, it was, uh, I'm sure it's what's wrong with most of us, but uh, now when we come here, you have planes or helicopters that fly over and spray for mosquitoes. It used to be where I grew up that there was a truck that would ride through the neighborhood with a fogger machine attached to the back of it, and it would spray out the chemicals that would kill mosquitoes. Well, as a kid, me and my buddies loved to see the truck come through. You say, why? Because we would hop on our bikes and we would chase it down the road, breathing in all of the mosquito repellent that came out. You're like, that makes a lot of sense, Pastor. I get it now. (laughs) I'm with you. But it was the overflow that affected us of that mosquito truck. In the same way that for us as followers of Jesus, the overflow of our lives, the blessing of God in our lives, our relationship with him should spread wherever we go. I want you to notice that as we continue walking through the text this morning, verse 31 through verse 36, we see this second truth, God's blessing in our lives is always sufficient, even in the face of difficulty. Notice verse 31. He said, what shall I give you? What do you want to be paid, Jacob? I'm willing to offer you whatever it takes to keep you here. Jacob said, you will not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Verse 32, let me pass through all your flock today. And let me remove every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. He says, all of the 
what they would have considered at this point in time, kind of the, the inferior animals in the flock, those that were not solid color. He said, I will take those, that will be my wages. I'll take them away and I will have a flock that I can then take care of. And in the midst of that, I'll still take care of your flock. And then we'll know moving forward as we look around us you see, the reality is Jacob knows that Laban's not the most straightforward guy at all. He knows that he's a deceiver just like Jacob has been in the past. And so he says in this moment, let my honesty be the answer. So that when you come in, verse 33, to look at my wages, we'll be able to figure out whether what I have is mine or whether it's actually stolen from you. Laban said in verse 34, good, let it be as you have said, but verse 35, but that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, which were Jacob's agreement here that he would receive, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, which again was what he was supposed to receive. Everyone that had white on it and every lamb that was black, he took everything that he had just agreed with Jacob that it was his, he took all of that, it says, and put them in charge of his sons, and he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. He just took everything that was Jacob's away from him and put it in charge of his sons in an effort to keep Jacob from being able to prosper, to keep Jacob in this moment from being able to experience the blessing of God. You see, Laban's got a very, very, very short understanding of who God is in this moment. And in fact, Laban's primarily concerned not with a relationship with God, but with what God can give him. Let me just issue that caution to us as well. Are you in love with God? Or are you in love with what God gives you? Because at this point in time, Laban is looking and he says, I can fix this. I'll take every part of the flock that Jacob is supposed to have. And I'm going to move it out of the way, three miles journey away. And Jacob, here you go. Here's what's left for you to try to figure out how to make a living in this situation. See, Laban's thinking right here, well, if he doesn't have the speckled, if he doesn't have the spotted, then when they breed, all that's going to come out most likely are going to be the solid color, and those are mine. And that's his answer in this situation. Now, if I'm Jacob, it's time to fight, right? I mean, if I'm Jacob in this moment, I'm sitting back thinking, well, that's not fair. That's not how this is supposed to work. Imagine if you go into your employer and they say, we'll pay you whatever you want. And you agree on a figure and you walk in, you get your first check and it's half what you expected. What do you do? Well, interestingly, in this moment, Jacob doesn't seem concerned. In fact, the second part there of verse 36, Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Jacob just lost everything that was his 
but seemingly is not concerned at all. I think the answer is very clear because he is confident in the Lord. He is confident in the blessing of God in his life. And if he has absolutely nothing, he still has the greatest thing that he could ever have, and that is a relationship with God. The same thing holds true for you and for me. If we look at our circumstances and they're bleak, if we look at our possessions and they're few, if we look around and we think we have nothing. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have everything because you have a relationship with him. And at this point in time, Jacob is seemingly unconcerned because he has a relationship with the Lord. I thought about this a lot because I remember as our kids were growing up and we would take them to the beach and the waves would be crashing in and I'd have the girl's hands as we're walking out into the waves. And here's the thing. They were terrified of the waves until, in the midst of it, I picked them up as the wave hit, and then I'd put them back down. We'd walk a little bit further, and the waves would come again. I'd pick them back up and hold them. The wave would hit. Typically, I would turn around so that it hit me in the back, and then I would turn around, put them back down, and we'd walk out further. They realized after a little bit, there's no reason to be worried about the waves. Why? Because dad is going to bear the brunt of that. I can trust in him that he's going to take it for me. And the same thing for Jacob here. Jacob is not concerned about this bleak situation that he's in in this moment because the relationship he has with the Lord is sufficient to carry him through. Let me ask you that this morning, especially if you're walking through difficulty, you're walking through a season right now where you're wondering how do you take that next step? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have everything you need, and that is a relationship with the Lord. Run into his arms, trust him, when the circumstances don't seem like they add up, when your situation seems bleak, trust in him. There's a verse in scripture that's often pulled out of context and put on coffee cups and maybe on t-shirts. You see athletes use it all the time, Philippians 4.13, some of you that's clicking for you right now. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Y'all have heard that, right? Well, what's interesting is verse 11 and 12, which precede that, are really, really important. Because in those verses, Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I find myself in to be content. Whether I have much or whether I have very little, whether I have food to eat or whether I don't, whether my circumstances are wonderful or whether my circumstances are absolutely terrible. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in those circumstances. 
Then comes verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's not looking at a weight that he's trying to bench press and trying to psych himself out and go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? No, there's moments when he has absolutely nothing. He says, I've learned to be content. Why? Because of my relationship with God. I've learned to be content because I know who holds the future in his hand and he holds my heart in his hand. Notice as you continue on, verse 37 through verse 43, on the back end of these difficult circumstances for Jacob. Jacob in verse 37, I'll be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Here's the encouraging thing. Most commentators who write about the scriptures have no idea what's going on here either. So I'm reading through this. You see, I mean, he's taking sticks and he's cutting slits in them and he's putting them in front of where the animals are breeding and it causes them to breed spotted and spotted. I mean, I'm like, huh, well, that's interesting. Thinking about some of our guys here in, in-house that, uh, that have animals, and I'm thinking, you guys ought to try that every once in a while. Just see how that works out for you. And I'm not saying that what Jacob does is wrong here. I'm, I'm thinking that he has heard in some capacity that, that maybe this is what will help these flock of Laban produce what Jacob should have as his own. And so he goes through that process And what happens is that God does extend his blessing to Jacob in this moment. And that the flocks of Laban that he's already pulled out that should have been Jacob's, all of a sudden these pure flocks start bearing primarily the animals that would go to Jacob. Spotted, speckled, Seems like every time you turn around here that Jacob continues to grow. He continues to be blessed by the Lord. And then strategically, verse 41, when the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would put the sticks in the troughs so that the stronger would breed greater bloodline, that it would continue on. And then for the feebler, they would not get that. And so what we see in verse 43... Jacob increased greatly. He had large flocks. He had female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Jacob continued to experience, even in the difficult circumstances, the blessing of God in his life. But here's the third truth, that God's blessing in our lives is always part of a much larger redemption plan. You see, you could walk away from this right now and go, man, must be nice to be Jacob. As if what happened here was all about Jacob. And I don't want you to to dive into the point and think that it's all about Jacob in this situation. Jacob is blessed by the Lord. Jacob gets great possessions. This is all about Jacob because this is not all about Jacob. Ultimately, this is all about what God is doing. 
This is all about God unveiling his plan of redemption that he had promised to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, that through him, ultimately, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. You see, the reality is Jacob experiences the blessing of God here, but it's just a small part of the overall picture of what God is doing, ultimately, to bring his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. I've thought about it in this sense. If you've ever listened to an orchestra play, as you look at them, what you realize is that there are people up there with all kinds of various instruments. You've got some that are stringed instruments. You've got the woodwind section. You've got the brass section. You've got the percussion section. You've got all of them spread around. There's different instruments that fall within that. And all of them have a small part to play that if they play it at the right time together ends up producing a beautiful symphony. I want you to hear me this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, you play a small part in the overall symphony of redemption, God's plan unfolding in this world. In the same way that Jacob played a small part here, we play a small part in God accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in this world. God drawing men and women to himself, boys and girls to himself to trust Jesus Christ as their savior. And so the question for us as followers of Jesus this morning is, Are we playing the part that he's called us to play? And as a result of playing the part that he's called us to play, the blessing of God that we've experienced in our own lives is flooding out of our lives into the world around us. So that as we engage with people at work and at school, as we engage with our neighbors in the neighborhood, as we engage with people in the grocery store and in restaurants, that they experience the overflow of the blessing of God in the life of every believer at North River Church. Imagine with me just for a bit, if this community in which we live became the splash zone for the blessing of God that every single one of us has experienced in our lives because of our relationship with him. Imagine with me that this community experiences day in and day out in our spheres of influence, in the circles in which we run, the splash of the blessing of God overflowing from our life into their life every single day day. Imagine the impact that that would have. And that is the impact that God desires to produce in us and through us in this community in which we live. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You may have come in today and for you, you have never experienced the blessing of God in your life because you don't have a relationship with him. As you've heard at various points this morning, that is only possible 
through trusting in Jesus Christ, his son, as your savior. And this is the opportunity for you at the end of this service to experience the blessing of God in your life. To take that step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that's a step that you need to take, we would love to help you take that step. Pastors will be down front in this time of invitation. We'd love to share with you there and help you take that step. If you've got more questions, I'd encourage you to fill out one of the connection cards and drop that off at the welcome table or hand it to me as you head out this morning and just indicate on there you would like to talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to follow up with you about that. But if you're already a follower of Jesus this morning who has experienced the blessing of God, a relationship with Him, And I just ask, is it overflowing out of your life into those that are around you? Many who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Would you commit this morning as a follower of Jesus to take seriously the splash zone around you and to allow the Lord to work in and through you to bless those who are around you with the truth of who he is and what he's done in your life. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it challenges us and convicts us and encourages us and reminds us that we as followers of Jesus have experienced the blessing of you in our lives. God, may we not take that for granted. God, may that overflow from our lives into those around us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this morning? Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front. You respond as the Lord leads.